so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of which, there's new news concerning Wells Fargo. And I want to fill you in on it coming up later in the Clark Rage. And then later, I want to talk about significant changes going on in the supermarket aisle information you can use to stretch every dollar our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com and i want to talk now about the latest developments involving the coronavirus and how it might affect you moving forward now the coronavirus has spread to more and more countries and federal authorities announced just a little while ago that there are a greater number of reported cases in the United States than prior realized. And I want to say something first about the health risk. So coronavirus, if you have not heard, has a very low fatality rate. It has the potential to spread and mutate potentially. I'm not a scientist. I don't really understand how that works but i can tell you where it stands now with the infections around the world it has an extremely low risk of death doesn't mean you won't get sick and feel miserable if you get it but it is creating enormous impact on economies around the world and is starting to have serious impact here in the united states There are certain parts of the United States economy that are being decimated by the coronavirus. The nation's airlines and cruise lines, cruise lines taking it potentially worse than airlines, and their stocks are just falling off a cliff. Expedia has just announced they're laying off 3,000 people. There are internal factors at Expedia, but I'm sure that uh, even though they didn't uh, credit, (laughs) mention in anything I've seen from Expedia's parent that the coronavirus is at play, but you're going to find a lot of companies are going to announce layoffs or quietly offer people the opportunity to go on unpaid leave or various things like that as part of a response to what will be potentially a slowdown in the economy. As for a recession in the United States, this is an election year. And it is very unlikely, although it could happen, it's very unlikely that we'll follow much of the rest of the world into recession this year. Because during a presidential election cycle, the administration in power uses every lever that it has access to to try to pump money into the economy to keep the economy out of a full-blown recession. But the effects of this will be that the tremendous job engine we've had in the United States over the last nine years will at least go into a pause, neutral maybe even a bit into reverse. So where's that affect you and how does it affect you? In my mind, 
the way I think about this is when you know there are a certain level of storm clouds gathering, the thing that you and I need to do is prepare for the possibility of a storm hitting us as an individual or as a family and that you make sure that you are prepared and by prepared in this case it's about having your finances in order this is a time that you need to really think about things before you impulsively buy them you need to think about having a reserve of cash you need to think about if you've been relying a lot on let's say overtime hours from your employer or the paycheck itself what would you do if you suddenly faced a layoff are you prepared for that because if i'm right and we go into what economists refer to as a growth recession it's where technically an economy is still growing but the job market gets weak We've been a while since we've experienced anything like that, and you need to be prepared. So this is one of those moments where an economy is flashing warning signs, and you can see it. You know, people talk about what's going on with stocks and all the rest, but if you really want to know the direction of an economy, you look at what's going on with interest rates not stocks stocks are getting the headlines because things have been a little ugly but the reality is when you look at what people are expecting to earn on money that they would get from bonds when you're a bond it's like you're a bank lending money to organizations and when i see that people are demanding less interest the longer out you go that means there's more and more concern in the money crowd with what's going to happen with the economy moving forward. So it's like we've got an early warning signal. It's like things are flashing yellow, and I want you to be prepared. So really look at, take the time to look at what you owe, what you're spending, what you're buying. And think through what you need to do to make sure your finances are okay if suddenly you find your hours cut back or your pay cut back or your job eliminated. Are you prepared for that? Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Scott, you have a question about bolting the United States and going somewhere else. Tell me about that. Good afternoon, Clark. It's a pleasure to speak to you. I am a longtime listener and first-time caller. Well, great to have you. Thank you. My wife and I have been in the last year doing some research about it. We're about 15 years from retirement, but research about the concept of uh, taking our dollars further by potentially retiring for a portion of our retirement or infinity in a Latin American country or Portugal some of the countries that we've researched are Ecuador, Panama, Belize, um, and Portugal. But I've never heard you in all these years speak about this, and I know you're a big steward of making your dollar go further. It seems like this could be one avenue. Yeah, and you're very right on this. There are a lot of Americans that have actually moved to various parts of Mexico because the cost of living is so much lower. 
and are living in what are like quasi expatriate communities of Americans and Canadians that have moved to various places in Mexico. You mentioned Panama, which has been uh, very popular forever with Americans who go for uh, better weather and a lower cost of living. Colombia is really in right now. And you think about uh, how weird it is that Colombia was radioactive, basically, through the era that there was so much extreme violence in Colombia. And now it's really high up on the list of people looking at places to retire. And uh, you mentioned Portugal. Portugal is very popular, not just with Americans as a place to retire, but also people from Northern Europe that have been going to Portugal because it has good weather and extremely low costs and very affordable housing. So what I recommend is that you test drive places, not on vacations in the years intervening till when you are looking at possibly retiring overseas, but instead when you do hit retirement, that you look at spending a six-month cycle as a renter in places that are on your short list. Excellent. Yeah, that's good advice. I appreciate that. Because uh, I think it's a mistake. This happens to people who fall in love with a place in Florida. Let's talk about something not as extreme as going to a, a foreign country to live. And they'll go vacation at a particular place in Florida year after year after year, and they set in their mind that's where they're going to live when they retire. At least seven months a year, they'll go live in Florida. And then they get there, and they're like, well, this isn't as much fun as I thought. This isn't all like it was on vacation. So that's why I never want you to jump in with both feet to a place that you're thinking of living. Have you thought about the whole healthcare aspect with these various countries? I definitely have. And, uh, you know, I've read, for example, in Panama City, they have a John Hopkins Center of Excellence, a very modern hospital. Of course, some of the Asian countries like Thailand have good health care. But that would definitely be a concern. And um, some of the countries, of course, are positioned better on that than others. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I need to continue to research. So the weirdest thing about the potential of retiring in Europe is a very controversial loophole that has not been closed yet in the European Union, is Americans can essentially buy permanent access to the EU by um, paying money to certain countries. Greece is very popular for that. Also, Malta is very popular for that, where you buy, uh, you pay them cash, and it gives you permanent resident status to live and travel wherever you want in Europe. Very fascinating. Yeah, I did not know that. Thank you. And so I don't know how much longer that has to run as a way for Americans to have that flexibility, but it exists for now. Tony's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tony. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Tony. And we've got a lot of mergers going on in the financial world right now, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be uh, every couple of days there's another one. (laughs) 
And um, we're going to see yeah. more of them over the next uh, couple of months, likely. And there's one in particular that has unsettled you. Tell me what that one is. Yes. Well, well some years ago, based on your recommendations, I started using Credit Karma's website and found a really helpful, simple tool to track credit scores and improve my scores. And then I read yesterday that Intuit, you know, the big company, the maker of TurboTax and QuickBooks, is going to buy Credit Karma for, I think, $7 billion or something. And so billion. my first thought was... Did you say million? It's billion. Billion. Yeah, billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so my first thought was, okay, here we go again. You know, a nice free website that offers helpful advice being purchased by a big company whose maybe main focus is to try to sell you products or, you know, I'm concerned too that they'll start to maybe sell, sell people's data or the website will become filled with ads. Um, you know, how often, I guess, does a, <laughs> does a bigger company buy a small company and the service gets better? And not mess it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are and if, I mean, maybe are they going to start charging for access or... Right, so um, here's my thing on Credit Karma being absorbed is that if Intuit is smart, they'll leave it alone because it's been one of the most successful technology startups of the last 10 years and just let it do its thing. But big companies seldom seem to be able to leave things alone. So I would say for now, just ignore that they've been bought. And then if over time Intuit messes things up, then it would be be fine for you to move on. But for now, I wouldn't worry. You know, one of the angles here is credit karma tax and into its interest in people paying to have their taxes prepared instead of getting them for free like credit karma tax does but i'm just gonna wait and watch and you know tony if they start messing with it you know i'm gonna be screaming from the the (laughs) highest mountaintop as loud as i possibly can right (laughs) yeah and in fact i think i've also read part of that, that Intuit was supposed to also offer a free tax service, but they kind of had it hidden in their website. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they got some bad publicity about not play, not acting in good faith with the IRS free file program. And so that gives an additional level of concern, and that's why I will watch how Intuit behaves very, very closely. And you will know right here if Credit Karma goes from being a good thing to a questionable one or a bad thing today's clark rageous moment is an update for you new information about wells fargo wells fargo who uh, committed criminal acts against its own customers for what turns out now to be a full generation the wells fargo cheating scandal goes back to 1998 according to a release from federal prosecutors wells fargo ruined the reputations of so many people wells fargo in its filing only had to admit that uh, unlawfully misused customers sensitive personal information they paid a three billion dollar fine and avoided a criminal conviction the criminal conviction is suspended what's known as a deferred prosecution 
if Wells Fargo doesn't engage in any more shenanigans cheating its customers over the next 36 months, they will not face criminal prosecution. Now, the crazy thing at Wells Fargo is they engaged in massive identity theft, uh, cheated their auto loan customers, their mortgage loan customers, and cheated their general checking account customers and their investing customers over a generation. And nobody's going to prison. That is absolutely unbelievable that if you rob a bank, you go to prison hard time for typically 20 years. But if the bank robs you and you're an executive, you go away with your millions in your country club and private jets and no jail. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. You know, one segment of our economy is going through absolute change right now, and that's the supermarket business. A lot of regional supermarket chains have been filing for bankruptcy over the last month, I guess it's five Five, I think it is, regional supermarket chains have filed for bankruptcy. And uh, a lot of them will just evaporate. They've been selling off locations to try to raise money and just closing others, which you can do in bankruptcy without really any liability. And it's because how we buy groceries is changing so much that we, the American people, have changed our profile on how we buy the foods we eat. And it's all about price now. Not for everybody. I mean, there's still people who are not price sensitive, but the overall is buying by price. And it's caused a big change at supermarkets of all price points, pushing private labels in a way that they really never have. And private labels are really the king now of the grocery shopping market. We're way behind the rest of the developed world where private label store brands have dominated forever. But now in the United States, if you look at who is the supermarket that everybody fears the most in the supermarket business, it's Aldi. And Aldi is 93%, I think, private label, something like that. And people go into an Aldi and just trust their private labels. Except my son hates anything in their favorites private label brand, which is their crackers and chips and things like that. He, he'll see favorites and he'll say, I'm not eating that. But... As a general rule, they have established at Aldi real trust in customers. And there was a survey recently from a group that, that is all about internal data for the grocery industry. And it's something you and I as consumers would never have ever heard of, but it's the Dunhummy Retail Preference Index. And... In their survey, the cheapest places to shop, number one, is Aldi for buying your groceries. And 
it's caused, I mean, Aldi is so powerful now in the grocery business that they forced a lot of supermarkets to cut back their hours as one of the ways to lower costs is Aldi has a 40% price advantage. Imagine that number, 4-0%. 40% price advantage over traditional mainstream supermarkets. So that's an unbelievable price advantage. Very limited selection, uh, very uh, basic stores, but they are changing the balance of power in the industry. And then there are other discounters, you know, Market Basket, which is in New England, that people in New England are intensely loyal to and has very, very low prices, came in second, Winco Foods, which is in uh, parts of the mountain states and Great Plains, it is, if I remember right, employee-owned. Winco is a very interesting retailer. I've been to their locations before. It's kind of a cross between a warehouse and a very large warehouse and supermarket. Very low prices. And then the more recent entry from Germany, just like Aldi's, a German supermarket, Lidl, was number four in pricing, followed by number five, Trader Joe's. The interesting thing about Trader Joe's is Trader Joe's and Aldi are corporate siblings. And so they represent the number one and number five cheapest place to buy your groceries. And so the market is looking for ways to compete. And one of them, Amazon is trying, because Amazon has fallen flat on its face with groceries since buying Whole Foods. They have not been able to make that work for them. So they're opening new supermarkets under a different name, under an Amazon name, and they've just opened their first of what they hope to be a chain that there's no cash registers at all, that you go in with your Amazon app and it automatically scans your face, knows it's you, knows every time you pull an item off the shelf. When you're done, you just walk out of the store with your items. And that's a huge cost-saving and labor-saving for Amazon. Amazon reportedly is going to sell the technology because they see it as a technology platform more than being successful in groceries. They're going to offer this as a platform to other retailers to be able to eliminate the checkout and you just being able, once you purchase your items, you don't have to use an app like I use at Sam's Club where I ring up my own items on my phone and just walk out of the door of the store. This, you don't even have to do that. You just, just by breathing, just by existing and pulling items off the shelf, you're done and you walk out. It's obviously a convenience, but it's not about that for the store operators. It's about lowering the costs of the operation. Kathleen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kathleen. Hey, good morning, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. So I have a tip plan for March 14th to the 21st during our spring break to South Korea. Just found out that the CDC is recommending non-essential travel. So before I call my travel agent, do you have any advice uh, what, I, what I can expect, uh, what I should ask, questions I should ask? So as a result of the warnings from the feds about going to South Korea, 
the odds are that a lot of the flights won't go. Mm-hmm. And so it will make things a lot easier for you if they say your flight's canceled. Would you like us to hold your money for a future date or would you like the money back? Okay. It gets a lot messier if the airline uh, that you bought your travel to South Korea on says, hey, we're going and you got to be here or you walk away from your money. Um, that is a risk. But the what's been happening across Asia is that airlines, once an area has become kind of like off limits, airlines have just canceled their flight service because they depend not on you as a leisure traveler going for spring break. They count on the business traveler who's in the front of the plane spending like $14,000 to fly business class to South Korea. That's where the money's made. And those people are not going to go. So um, what I would do is I would just sit tight and wait till closer to your spring break date and your travel and then wait and see how it does play out. Do you want to still go or would you rather not go? Well, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about people's response and reaction than I am the virus. I always get the flu shot and I know influenza kills more people than this has. But when I come back to Hawaii, because I live in Hawaii, I'm afraid that maybe they'll quarantine you. Yeah, the quarantine, exactly. And, um, and, you know, being treated like a pariah when I come back from a place like that here, especially here in Hawaii, you know, we're so, um, the travel industry is very dominant here and it's a fragile economy, you know, with our tourism. Sure. Well, my wife, my wife, when we were in Hawaii, um, last visit got influenza b and uh uh, we took her to an emergency clinic and the doctor issued a document a hawaiian government document that banned her from travel till a certain date till she had a normal um quarantine period for that because you're right for the hawaiian economy if Hawaii gets isolated because of some kind of outbreak it's just devastating to the economy because so much is based on tourism right and so uh, we weren't exactly thrilled with her being banned from travel and uh, you know she had to stay uh, she was staying in a hotel room I was the one who got to go out and see things but it is a step that that may be necessary for public health Exactly. So, yeah. So I, that that's my most my main concern. Um, also, you know, uh, well, I booked with a travel agency. I, we did buy travel insurance, although pandemics are not covered. Correct. Um, and uh, if I if I were to go, if a travel agency decided not to cancel and I were to go, um, I'm concerned that you know I may not be able to see the attractions. I'll be stuck in a hotel room. Uh, but I'm most concerned about coming back. So, sure. um, you know. So I, you, stand, you stand a risk that it's a choice a huge number of people are going to have to make. And that is, do you kiss your money goodbye? And, and that's So if I cancel, I lose my money. But if they cancel, there's a chance that I may get a refund. No, you get a, a your credit. money back. You do get your money back. So that's why you wait. Unless a travel supplier like a tour operator goes bust over this, 
Okay. You get your money back. If you paid by credit card, even if the yes. supplier goes bust, you uh, generally will get your money back. There could be exceptions that are generally true. So the best thing to do is if you have the intention now, if things don't clear up in the next couple of weeks in Korea, mm-hmm. that you're not going to go, just wait it out and wait to see. It's almost like a game of chicken. Who cancels first? You don't want it to be you. Right. Exactly. Well, this is very helpful to me. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure, and I'm sorry your spring break is ruined. Uh, well, I do live in Hawaii, you know, so <laughs> I have something to do. <laughs> yeah, hard to be upset about that. Oh, I'm stranded in Hawaii for spring break. Uh, Rebecca's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Rebecca. How can I be of service to you? Um, I have noticed over the past five, six months that I've been receiving a significant amount of mail um, and now emails from um, certain insurance companies related to elder care, uh, Medicare, um, things along those lines. Um, I'm 31. Um, I haven't signed up for anything that would make the emails and the junk mail make sense. And I'm wondering if I need to be concerned about like an identity theft or something along those lines. Absolutely. And it's not an automatic indicator that you are a victim of identity theft, but it's a strong hint that you Mm -hmm. could be a victim of identity theft. It could be just a corrupted um, database that somehow has you confused with somebody else of same or similar name and thinks that you are a retiree. That could have Mm -hmm. happened, um, but it also is possible that you are a victim of identity theft. So how you would start this process is you're entitled each year to one free copy of each credit report from Mm -hmm. Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian at the site annualcreditreport.com. That's the only one. you got to make sure you go to annualcreditreport.com so you can... Pull a copy of each of them. It's free. Don't let them sell you any junk. And and we we did do that. Anything um, odd then, on any of the reports? There was a soft pull from a Discover card that I don't recall doing, but otherwise, no. Everything checked out. All right. So I would recommend that you uh, preventatively do a credit freeze on your three credit files. Okay. And before you do that, set up accounts at Credit Karma and Credit Sesame. Okay. And what that will will do for you is you'll be able to continue to monitor your credit, uh, see your scores on Credit Karma. You'll be able to see your reports. You'll know if anything odd is going on. But as soon as you've set those up, then do the credit freeze process, which is free with all three credit bureaus. And then even if somebody's lurking out there, you're going to shut them down from doing anything else, at least in terms okay. of your credit. And I have, oh. I have a credit freeze guide that you can go to at clark.com slash Equifax. Perfect. We'll check it out. It'll take you about 15 minutes of uninterrupted time to set up those three credit freezes, and then you'll be good to go moving forward. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, and enjoy your next three decades living much younger than, for some reason, the mailing (laughs) gods think you are. No kidding. Thank you. Sure. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michael. How's it going? It's going fine, Clark. How you doing? Great, thank you. I understand you got a, a credit utilization problem that you want to see if I can help sort out for you. I do. Um, yes, I've got a, uh, I've got a, what used to be a secured credit card uh, from one of the local mega banks. And uh, I am, I paid off completely every single payday on Friday. Um, and we use it for pretty much everything. My, my fiance has it and she uses it for household and personal expenses because she's currently, uh, she currently has to stay home with our, our daughter. Um, like I said, I paid off every Friday and uh, I've never paid them a dime of, of interest. Good for you. Um, but uh, the whole reason I got it was to improve my credit score. And as, as far as payment history, it, it has done that uh, tremendously. But when you look at my credit score on the graph, it's just up and down because it'll, it'll catch a high utilization on that card nine times out of ten. Yep, yep. Okay. And every, every you gotta time you've got to know how to manipulate this, Okay. Okay. So it was a secured card. Now you've graduated into a regular? Yes, sir. Okay. So what you need to do is you you have history with it that's going to reflect on your credit report. Stop using it, essentially. Use it for maybe one small transaction a month. So it shows activity. Your okay. utilization will go down to near nothing. And that will have a reflection on your score that could be as much as 150 points up. Okay. Once that happens, then you can apply for another card and get yourself more available credit. I do have another card. Uh, I've got my two. I've got my two credit cards now, Um, and and it has a higher limit on it. Uh, The 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 secured card only has a $500 limit on it, which is fine because it helps control spending. Yeah, but I don't want you to use it at all, really, at this point. I mean, if uh, you know how much I hate debit cards, in your case, it would be better for your wife to have a debit card tied into your checking account and use it for the essential spending instead of using a credit card. I can't believe I just said that. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.